153, and your faith and praise gift. When the saved get dead, page 853. Bob, let us sing. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. Oh, when the saved get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And when the saved see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. And when the saved get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And when the saved see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. In just one glimpse of him in glory, will the tours of life repay. And when the saved get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And when the saved see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And when the saved get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And when the saved see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Please turn to page 895 in your faith and praise gifts. Once again, that's page 895. I live in glory. I like to stay here longer than man's allotted days and watch the fleeting changes of life's uneven ways. But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I'll live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I'll live in, I'll live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing love, I'll tell them they're on high. They're with my dearie, and there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory, glory by and by. I want to be of service along this pilgrim way and lead the lost to Jesus as fervently I pray. As day by day I travel, I'll keep him ever nigh and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in, I live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing love, I'll tell them they're wrong. 
with my dearie, and there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. The end I know is nearing, by faith I look away to yonder home supernal, the land of endless day. I'll cling to him forever and look beyond the sky and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in I live in glory by and by. I'll tell and sing love. I'll tell them there on I. There with my dearie, and there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. Please turn to page 589 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that's page 589 in your faith and praise books. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Once again, that's page 589 in your faith and praise books. Page 589. Follow the same. What a fellowship, what a joy. Oh, near I'm leaning 
safe and secure from all alarms. You know that we're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on the everlasting arms. You know that we're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on Jesus. We're safe and secure from all alarms. You know that we're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on the everlasting arms. Please turn to page 12 in your sex selection psalm books. Once again, that's page 12 in your sex selection psalm books. Oh, I want to see him. Once again, that's page 12 in your sex selection psalm books. Well, let's sing. As I journey through this land, I'm singing as I go. I'm pointing souls to Calvary, you know, to the crimson flow. And you know that many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord, he leads me on and through him I must win and with sin. Oh, I want to seek him, look upon his on his face, we're there to sing forever of his saving, of his saving, set on the streets of glory. Let me lift up my voice, and you know that gaze off. I'll be home at last and ever to rejoice when in service for my Lord. Dark may be the night, but I cling more close to him. You know he will give me light, and Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord, he goes ahead and leads whatever beside, and we're singing, oh, I want to see him look upon his, on his face, we're there to sing forever of his saving, of his saving, sit on the streets of glory, let me lift up my voice, and you know that cares up. I'll be home at last and ever to rejoice when before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my bark, you know he does safely keep, and he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. 
spoke, especially those who are, were, uh, if you will, sound prophets. Uh, they were speaking on behalf of God, which means uh, that they were speaking by the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If they were speaking about things that would happen uh, in the future, that's why they were called uh, foretellers. Uh, but they were also called foretellers. In other words, whatever was happening at the moment in time, they would also speak, uh, if you will, uh, on things that were of the current event or things, if you will, that were happening in that moment. Uh, and we know, no doubt, even with the first five books of the Bible, with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, Moses being, uh, they being attributed to Moses in his writings, uh, that they would also talk about things of the past. Uh, Moses was also a prophet uh, of God. That being said, we see Jeremiah and we see him addressing uh, the uh, children of Judah. He is concerned. Uh, he's very concerned about their condition. He's very concerned about their direction and what they are doing uh, at that then known time. Uh, now surely the prophet Jeremiah uh, is weeping because he is uh, concerned uh, about the disposition of the people. Uh, and, and, and that's something to cry about, especially when you look at the world today and you see the condition and the disposition of the people. Uh, the children of God ought to be weeping because of the condition of the world today. Uh, and, and, you know, whether you, whether you do it in your own private uh, time with the Lord, or uh, maybe sometimes you uh, uh, among the social gathering and, and thoughts begin to flood your mind and you, a tear may come uh, to your eye. Maybe you're looking at the TV set and you're wondering why there's so much tragedy, so much wicked and evil that's in the world, taking innocent lives uh, for no reason. You, you just sometimes want to weep like Jeremiah. Uh, did in the time of, of, of his, uh, of his uh, preaching and putting forth God's word. And so that is a modern context of Jeremiah in terms of his uh, being a man of God and why he was weeping. In the historical context, as he refers to the children of Judah, uh, now remember we, we specifically here in Jeremiah dealing with Judah because in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah dealt with Israel, uh, Israel being identified as the ten tribes and Judah being identified the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, uh, southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. For those of you uh, the biblical scholars that you are, Israel had already been dealt with. The other ten tribes had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Uh, their continual disobedience to God's word uh, uh, if you will, led to God judging them. And when God judged them, he did according to what he would say. He said that the, the Assyrians would come and they would take them into captivity. Uh, and sure enough, as they continued to disobey God, as they did during the time of Noah in the antediluvian period, during the time of the ark, as they continued to disobey God, even after the man of God, Noah, was speaking and preaching God's word, they continued to disobey God. And as they continue to disobey God, we recognize that the, 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 there is always the, um, the fallout, if you will, the repercussions to one disobeying God. Those are the consequences 
of not turning toward the Lord. When the Lord reaches out and, and, and is uh, uh, encouraging us and, if you will, uh, informing us in such a way that uh, we could turn our lives around and, and, and come to the Lord uh, before his judgment occurred. Uh, well, that's the historical process. In Jeremiah, uh, we find here that uh, he lets us know what the condition is, what the disposition is of man that leads to such a consequence. Uh, and so I, I, I appreciate the brethren who have come before me so far and they have rendered unto the Lord, uh, rendered unto us and to the Lord the worship service, uh, reading the scripture and wording the prayer and the singing of psalms. And now we're in the preaching of his word. And when we look at Jeremiah chapter 10, we find something very, uh, very troubling here as we begin, in, if you will, in, in, uh, and I'm going to start reading uh, at verse number 23. He says here, and this is, the, this is the disposition of man, and it's not uncommon because it's something we've seen before. We saw it all the way back in the book of Genesis at the beginning. He says, oh, Lord, and this is, this is, this is interesting because Jeremiah, uh, as many of the prophets were, you'll, 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 in awe, you'll find that they are always in a prayerful mind state when it comes to their interaction and intimacy with God. Uh, and he says, oh, Lord. I know, and I'm glad that he uses these phrases. I know, I know, oh Lord, I know. He first addresses in this, this passage of scripture, he identifies to whom he is speaking, amen. He says, oh Lord, and we know who that is. We know that is the, the Elohim. We know that is the creator of all things. He that sits up high and looks down low. It is he who has created the universe and the, the galaxies that we, if you will, uh, in our own uh, 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 arrogance believe that somehow we figured it all out. But it is he who has created all these things. It is he who has given us life, has given existence unto man. And so he says, oh Lord, and this is important. And I know you probably feel like, why is he belaboring the point? It's because when many people go to God and they say that they're individuals that believe or have this idea of some divine being, it is not just some imaginary person that you conjure up in your mind. When you're going to God in prayer, you better know who you're praying to. I just believe in a higher power. That ain't who God is. He's not just a higher power. He is all power. Amen. Amen. And so if you're saying, I just believe in a higher power, you're shooting too low. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah says, when I pray, or when he, if he will, if he, when he addresses uh, uh, in his uh, uh, request of God, he says, oh, Lord, I know who you are. I know you are the creator of the beginning and the ends of existence. That's who we pray to. We don't pray to somebody who may be able to do something. We pray to God who's able to do all things according to his will. And when you're talking about something, when, you, when you're speaking about the Lord, and, and though these terms, if you will, are terms that, that, that we have assigned and associated with God, and, 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 and truly uh, they are terms that are very much relevant, when we talk about God being uh, omniscient and omnipotent, amen, 
all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present. This is the God that we speak to. And this is the God that Jeremiah is addressing. This is the God that when Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And the response is, I am. I am. Because that's just about all you can comprehend in your human mind. <laughs> Amen. If I tried to explain to you that which is of eternity, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. So I'm just going to tell you I am, I am. You remember how John describes Jesus, who Paul had already identified as the, the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. You remember Je uh, John says, if you will, uh, in his interaction while he was uh, in the spirit on the Lord's day, when the divine being, the angel of the Lord, was speaking to him and showing him the things of heaven, the things of the past, the things of the present, as well as the things of the future. John, if you will, couldn't comprehend everything that was being seen, but, but he did share with us the things that, that were uh, uh, given to him that he was uh, encouraged and uh, authorized to share because there's some things that 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 uh, the he was uh, able to experience and that he was told that he wasn't able to share. As a matter of fact, the angel, if you will, at at some point in time when he was finished doing what he needed to do, he said, "Write no more." Amen. Write no more. That's the end of my conversation in terms of what you need to write. Now I wonder what he said after that. That's one of the questions I want to ask the Lord. If we make it into heaven's glory and I get a chance to see the Lord face to face, I want to ask him, well, what kind of conversations took place after that? What was, what was talked about after that? Because it wasn't like you just sent him on back home. You said, right, no more. So what else was being talked about? I want to know, what are the wonderful things of heaven that John knew about or you told him about that that we're about to experience if we ever make it there. But with that being said, we find John saying something interesting about Jesus. He said he's the alpha. Now these are the Greek terms that are used. The beginning of the Greek alphabet. He's the alphabet. So I mean the, the beginning. And so the beginning of the alphabet gives us the understanding. He's talking about before anything was, there is God. That's who we pray to. Amen. He's the Alpha. And then he says he's the Omega. That's the last alphabet in the Greek language. So he lets us know that who we pray to spans, if you will, not only before time, he spans what is time, and then after our time, he is still going to be beyond time. Lord have mercy. That's who we pray to. And so when he says, oh, Lord, don't take it lightly. Don't take it, if you will, as if these are just words thrown out on a piece of paper. But understand to whom he is speaking. He's speaking to him who's able to save our souls. He says, oh, Lord. And then he says, I know. He makes it personal. And Lord have mercy. I wish we'd understand that the covenant is about not about the masses, the covenant is about your personal relationship with God. Because I don't know what everybody else believes, but I know what I believe. I pray that you believe as God wants us to believe. Amen. 
But if you stop believing according to what the word of God says, I have to have a relationship with God for myself. I, I, hey, man, if everybody fall off the ship, I want to still be on the ship. Amen. So, so he says, I know. He didn't talk about what, 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 what Moses knew. He didn't talk about what, what, what Abel knew. He didn't talk about what Cain knew or what Abraham knew. He didn't talk about what Isaac and Jacob knew. He said he didn't talk about what, what, what Isaiah would have known or, or even, if you will, uh, uh, the uh, Elisha and Elijah. He didn't talk about what those other prophets knew. He says, I know. I have a personal relationship with God. I know, if you will. I know that the way of man is not in himself. Jeremiah lets us understand the disposition of man. Because when we think we can do this stuff on our own, you've gone beyond your skis. Amen. Jeremiah says, I know that the way of man is not in himself. There's nothing that we can do without God allowing it to be done. Give you a case in point, we'll get to Acts 17 in a moment with another text, but remember in Acts 17 when their Grecian philosophers were calling Paul a babbler. He let them know something about their own belief system. He tells them in Acts 17, he says, it is in God that we live that we move, and that we have our very being. That lets you know that if God chose for you not to see this day, you're not going to see it. You have to know some things about who it is that we serve. And may I dare say, who it is that served us first. We see here, he says, I know. That the way of man is not in himself. You cannot subjectively determine how you're going to save your life. How you're going to save your soul. Remember last Lord's Day we talked about the idea of what it meant to, to have a, a, a subjective faith and a, an objective faith. And how that leads to a change of life. The idea of the Christian schema. You got to understand that the Christian schema, it's not about what Brother Culpepper believes. It's not about what Sister So-and-So believes. It's about what you believe. And what you believe needs to align with what God has said. You have to remember when it came to the word of God, we find ourselves challenged by these things. Noah, if Noah would have stayed with the behavior and the disposition of that then known world, Noah would have been lost too. God was under no obligation to save Noah. But he did. And he saved him because of his mercy and because of his grace. And you have to understand something. God is under no obligation to save us. But if we do his will, if we be a worshiper of God, if we, if we strive to do his will and we, we change our minds, we change our hearts, we change our schema, then God says, you have a chance to be saved. But if you stay in the world, if you continue to do the things that are in the world, if you continue to think that this reality somehow is the beginning of all and end all, then you're going to have a problem making it to heaven's glory. Because see, this reality is not eternity. This reality is temporal. 
it's temporary. It's going to go away. And that's why Paul was remind us in Hebrews 9, and he would tell us that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So we know that this is a temporary life. Do you know? Do you know that this is a temporary life? Do you know that the whole purpose of God changing uh, our schema to, 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 to give us the word of God, the covenant, in order for us to change how we think, how we, if you will, understand him and how we understand how we are to live and how that can change our disposition from a position of being in sin to a position of being able to be saved is so important. Jeremiah says, I know that the way of man is not in himself. I cannot determine my own salvation. We cannot determine how we're going to be saved. We can only be saved by how God has planned it out for us to be saved. Jeremiah is pleading with the children of Israel as Noah was pleading with the children of the antediluvian period. He's pleading with them, turn from what it is that you're doing. Turn from idolatry. Turn from worshiping these idol gods. Turn from worshiping these trees and the, and the, and the rivers and the rocks and the, and the mountains and, and all of these images that have been crafted by your own hands. Turn from these things and, and turn to God. Turn to God. No, re no reason. No, 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 there's, there's a reason why Jeremiah is weeping. Because what he was observing is a bunch of nonsense. And he's saying you need to turn back to the Lord. As Noah was saying, as a preacher of righteousness, that the people of the antediluvian period needed to turn to the Lord. Continuing on in Jeremiah 10, he says in verse number 23 again, in, in the, he says, it is, not, it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. So surely, when Paul says to those of Athens in Acts 17 that it is in God that we live, move, and have our very being, he's making the point. It's not in you to direct your own steps. We need to lean on the Lord. In verse number 24, he goes, oh, Lord, once again. He says, oh, Lord. And I know, Lord, that if it is the case that somehow if I do something that, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is beyond your will and I do something that is, that is not according to your will, if I do something that's outside of, 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 the, of the covenant, he says, then there is a correction. There is, uh, 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 if you will, the, the repercussions and the, and, the, and the results, if you will, of how I walk outside of that which is yours, which is your will. He says, I will be corrected. But he says, and he pleads, and I thank God that Jeremiah, in his humility, helps us to understand that when we come before God, we need to be humble. Because God owes us nothing. Amen. He owes us nothing. We are but dust that have been fashioned uh, from the dust of the ground. But that fashioning from the dust of the ground 
was filled with something that was divine. And that is the spirit, of, uh, the, the spirit that God gave each one of us. When he breathed into the nostril of man, he created him a living nephesh, a living soul. Each of us that come into the world, as Nehemiah would remind us, not Jeremiah, Nehemiah would remind us. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he's, Jesus God would say unto him, before I formed thee in thy mother's belly of that mother's womb, I knew thee. And I ordain thee to be a prophet. God knows us even before we're born. He knows who we are. But he says he, he understood that, Jeremiah understood that when, when, when he would do that which was contrary to God's will, he said, oh Lord, he says, correct me, but, but don't correct me in anger. Don't correct me in anger. See, you don't want to fall into the hands of an awesome God. Amen. Because, see, God can, God can grind you back into the dust that he brought you from. Amen. Amen. And so Jeremiah says, don't, don't correct me in anger, but correct me in love. Because when you corrected me in love, I know that there, there, there's mercy. When you corrected me in love, I know there's long-suffering. When you corrected me in love, there's meekness, there's, there's kindness, there's grace. When you corrected me in love. But don't correct me in anger. Correct me in love. So when we say, oh, Lord, we're talking to a Lord who knows how to love his children. Amen. We're talking to a Lord that, that, that says, if you will, he says, he says, if you will, that, that, that uh, 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 love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, have mercy. Every time we go to the Lord, we know we done did something wrong. Amen. I'm going to say amen when you can. We in worship. Lord, have mercy. If you, if, you, if you can't be truthful in worship, where else can you be truthful? Lord already knows who we are. We're here to lay our burden before him and to get the help that we need to be strengthened. Sometimes we don't do that which we ought to do. We don't say the things we ought to say. We don't live the way we ought to live. We don't think the way we ought to think. But we understand here that if God corrected us in anger because of those things, we would not be here today. But we're here today because God corrects us in love. And that love is encapsulated in long-suffering. When we needed to die, God said, I'm going to give you more time to live to get this right. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his long-suffering. Jeremiah says, oh, Lord, correct me, but, 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 but with judgment. And the wonderful thing about this is when he talks about but with judgment, what he's talking about is according to your covenant. Correct me in judgment. In other words, when, 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 when you correct me and I know that the challenges of life become what they are, and I sit back and say, why are all these things happening to me? Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to sit back and say, well, maybe this is an opportunity for God to help me grow a little bit. Because maybe this is his judgment on my life. And that judgment is not there to, to destroy you. That judgment is there to build you up. To strengthen you in the times of your challenges and troubles of life. Remember, Peter made it clear that just, be, we, just because we become Christians doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. Peter said, if any man suffer, let him suffer as a Christian. Wait, wait, wait. You know, contrary to what a lot of, uh, you know, these televangelists want to say, you know, if, 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 if something's going wrong in your life, you must be, not all the time. 
But surely when something is going wrong in your life, you know who you can turn to. You can turn to the Lord. Because if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. So just because we become Christians doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer through things. But when we do suffer through those things, it is an opportunity for us to grow. Remember when Peter wrote and, and he was talking about the, 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 the wives and the husbands and, 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 and he says, to this end were you called that you might walk in his steps. And when he says that you walk in his steps, one of the things that he says, he says, he says, he says sometimes you may suffer you may suffer wrongfully. In other words, people may do things to you that you have not done to them and you don't deserve it. And you still suffer. Because the world is still wicked. And you have to suffer through it. But here he says, look, he says, look, he says, but when you, when you suffer and, 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 you, and, you, and, you, and you're still holding on to God and you, and you understand that, 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 that if it is in his will that the suffering can be taken away. And when you are suffering and you're suffering and you're suffering for righteousness sake, he said, happy, be happy about that. Because you're doing what you need to do, but the world still hates you. The tons, the challenges of life are still upon you. But you continue to do that which is right before God because your schema has changed. You don't see suffering the same as you did before you obeyed the gospel. When you see suffering now, you look at how Jesus suffered and did nothing wrong. Lord have mercy. And when you understand that, you, you, that becomes your mindset and your disposition. You begin to understand that by looking at how you're not to fashion yourself after the world, but you fashion yourself after God, you begin to see the world differently. Your schema has changed. At one time, you may have retaliated against somebody that had done something wrong to you. But when you change your schema, when you fashion yourself not after the behavior of the world, but after God, when people do stuff wrong to you, you turn and pray for them. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Call you out of your name. Lord have mercy, your scheme has changed. Because you don't see the world the same. And that's what it means, that's what it means to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You become fashioned as God in Christ shows us to become fashioned. Remember in Philippians chapter 2 and 8, he says, look, he says, though you became fashioned, that he became fashioned as a man. But notice something here, and this is powerful. This is, this, is, this is good stuff. He said he became fashioned as a man, which someone, if you don't know the word of God, and, 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 and your mind is still carnal, amen. We won't get to 1 Corinthians 3 today, but we'll get to it later on. But he says, look, if your mind is still carnal, you may say, okay, he's fashioned as a man. Therefore, that means that he will, he will fall into the same sins as a man. But when he said he was fashioned as a man, he said there's one thing that did not change about Christ. He said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. That thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a man, the fashion of a man. In other words, it's not your body that's the issue. It's your mind. It's your mind that's the problem. And that's why we need to be full of the word, God says in Colossians 3 and 17. Be full of it. Be rich with it. Be overflowing with the word. 
Because the word of God is able to constrain your spirit. And when the word of God is able to constrain your spirit, and by constraining your spirit, that's not about bringing it into captivity. By constraining your spirit, it means to make it strong. The word of God is able to strengthen your spirit that whereby when your flesh begins to try to act out of order, the spirit that has been strengthened by God's covenant is able to bring it into subjection. That's what, he, that's what it means. Meditate upon these things. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good courage. Think and meditate on these things. It is this strength that brings forth the fruit of the spirit. You remember the fruit of the spirit, the idea of bringing forth fruit is the manifestation of something. And so when, you're, when your spirit, when your mind is strengthened with the word of God, your spirit is strengthened with the word of God, then that spirit can cause that body to bring forth that fruit that is worthy of something. It can cause, it, 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 that, that, that spirit is strong enough, if you will, to, 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 bring, to bring that body into subjection and have that body, if you will, become humble before God. It strengthens the spirit so that it is able to resist the devil, so that he will flee from it. It strengthen that spirit so that he's able, if you will, to not give the devil place. Amen. Sometimes you just got to put people in their place in order to get the devil out your place. Amen. I just help. Amen. You're able to restrain yourself. Because let me tell you something. If it was before the cross, y'all know y'all be putting hands on folk. So you got to ask yourself a question. What has changed before the cross? That now exists after the cross. I've changed how I see things. Amen. It's more powerful me, for me to pray for you than to put my hands on you. Lord have mercy. You know, if I put my hands on you, you're getting off too easy. But if I pray for you, woo, you're in trouble now. Because the Lord knows how to deal with your enemies. Amen. You see, see, we got to understand the power is not in you. The power is in God. Lord have mercy. Why is it that when, when folk do you wrong, you just smile anyhow? Because I know who's coming to deal with you. Amen. Don't look at me like that. You remember those disciples, they went up to Jesus and, 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 and there, there were all kinds of people in the marketplace and there were kids running around in the marketplace all trying to go to their mom and see where she is. And he was talking about how the earth is the kingdom of heaven, likened unto the children. And Jesus said, but when all that scroll is in there, so one of the things he said was very powerful that, that always is very powerful. But one of the things that, that registered with me when he talked about that, and he, and he, he likened the children to the to the, to the Christians, to the children of God, if you will. Back then, Jesus, the church had not been established yet, yet he still had followers. But he was still liking them. He was making an analogy of, a, of associating them with those who would follow after God. He says, look, it would be better for one to take a millstone, wrap it around his neck, and wrap around their neck and to jump into the ocean. Just for them to 
Jesus, God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. And when the Lord pays, amen, you can know they've been paid. In Jeremiah 10 and verse number 25, he emphasizes this point. He said, Lord, I know your fury. So he says, pour out your fury upon the heathen. <laughs> Amen. Because, because I know what your fury is able to do. But pour out your fury on the heathen. Amen. Know thee not and upon the families that call not on thy name. For they have eaten up Jacob and devoured him and consumed him and, and have made his habitation desolate. Let me tell you some Jacob here is talking about Israel. They're talking about the people of God back then. But the point is still made. When the Lord pours out his fury, you want his fury to be poured out on the heathen. You don't want his fury to be poured out on you. And that's why we need to stop being heathens. Did, did I say that out loud? We need to turn to be children of God. Because you don't want the Lord's fury to be poured out on you. You want his love to be poured out on you. You want his kindness to be poured out on you. You want his meekness to be poured out on you. You want his humility to be poured out on you. You want his long-suffering to be poured out on you. You want his goodness to be poured out on you. You want his kindness to be poured out on you. You want his grace to be poured out on you. Because ultimately, we're going to be saved. By his grace, that not of ourselves, is it is the gift of God. But we're saved by grace through faith, by our belief in him and our obedience to his word. And so we don't fashion ourselves after the world. We fashion ourselves after God. And the reason why we do that is because God has given us an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. Christ is our Passover. And I know many times when we read that, we, 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 we look at that and we, we, we don't associate it truly with what it really means about the Passover. Because, because you know, we look at Easter and all this other kind of stuff. But, but let me tell you something. The Passover is, 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 is couched in the blood that covers you. When you obey the gospel, the challenges of life, the sins, the weaknesses, the the issues of life that we stumble and fall into, even being Christians, and we strive to get up and to continue to walk in this way, amen. We continue to get this rickety body uprighted so that it can continue to move forward. Our spirit needs to be continued, strengthened, and nurtured, and fed by the word of God, the covenant of God. And that's why you don't want people preaching to you stuff that ain't right. Because if they're preaching to you garbage, your spirit cannot be strengthened. How do you change your life? When you're being taught things that can't strengthen your spirit. That's why the gospel is so important. Amen. We, 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 we receive the word of God and, and we know that even receiving the word of God, we're still trying to get this rickety body to do what's right before God. And I know this is true. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. That while, I, and while I'm preaching to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul understood it. Paul understood it. As long as I continue to strengthen my mind and strengthen my soul, strengthen my spirit, I can try to keep this body and bring it into subjection. So that one day, the fruit that I bear can be found acceptable unto God. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. And so Christ is our Passover. And he's our Passover because it is because of the blood of Christ that covers us. 
it gives us it gives us another opportunity to if God blesses us to continue to live, it gives us another opportunity to get our lives and to, to right and to make it better than it was the day before. And if we continue to strive to do that, it will continue to manifest the change, the schema that's in our lives. And he trusted in God. And when he believed and trusted in God, Noah began to do those things which showed himself to be in obedience with the covenant, in obedience with God's word. Noah took on the ark. And God allowed him to exit the ark. And God allowed those eight souls to exit the ark. Noah went to work. That people have fallen into because they don't understand the covenant. So you, 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 you cannot have God the way that you must have God by changing the covenant. When people have changed the way the word of God is presented, then they're doing things after their own will. after your own will, you have to get back to Jeremiah because Jeremiah says, Lord, we know, we know something about man, that the way of man is not in himself. So when you're worshiping after the counsel of your will, it cannot save you because it's not after the will of God. It's after your subjective will. Now, hopefully this has a, has a, has a, uh, some resonance with you because if you if you've been reading the Bible, surely if you start even if you started the New Testament and you started with Matthew somewhere along the line, hopefully you came across Matthew chapter seven and verse number twenty-one because God lets us know. There are many who came unto him and said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works? Have we not done this? Have we not cast out devils? Have, have we not done all this stuff? And God said, and Jesus said unto them, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. But why were they working iniquity? Weren't they doing stuff that was spiritual? Weren't, weren't, weren't they doing things that appeared to be worship related? stop there he started talking about he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven 
And so what you find is you find individuals that are challenged by that because they don't understand that you, can't, you, can't, you cannot create your own worship service. You cannot be saved by creating a real worship. Well, this is just the way we do it. It ain't about the way you do it. It's about how God says it needs to be done. Lord have mercy. But when people, when people start doing things and, 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 and uh, uh, creating their own ideas of, 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 what, of, of what they want and how they want to be saved, you're putting themselves, yourself and others in a position where their souls are going to be lost. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 15, Jesus said, the master teacher says, beware of false prophets. Oh, Lord have mercy. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Wait a minute, haven't we been talking about fruit? But you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but, every, but, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, and neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. You don't want to be on that end of it. You want to bring forth good fruit. In order to bring forth good fruit, the Bible already told us in Galatians chapter 5, you must have the Spirit of God. And Romans chapter 8 says, if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, in order to get the Spirit of God, you must go through the watery grave of baptism. Because Acts 5.32 says God gives His Spirit to all those who obey Him. Well, look, if you're tired of hearing about it, you don't want to go to heaven. And that's your choice. Because guess what? You don't have to go. God's not forcing you to go to heaven. You can, supposedly, you want to go there. He's not forcing you to go to heaven. But he says the only way you can get there is by his covenant. I was talking to someone the other day. I'll reserve the name to preserve the, the opportunity for innocence and repentance. But I was talking to someone the other day, and, 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 and the, person, the person said, the person said, well, I just don't see there's anything wrong with what's going on. I said, ask yourself why. Because it's not about what you see. where the issue is you know when we start talking about well I just don't I just don't believe I just I, I just don't. look so it ain't about what you just want and what you just it's about do you know what the true thing is because that's going to determine whether or not your souls are saved it's not about how you feel it's not how you want to believe In, in, in John 8, John says, uh, and Jesus says to the, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes, he says, look, he said, you shall 
know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. No. I mean, see, there, there are things we need to know. And if you're speculating about anything that's concerning the salvation of your soul, you know how you come to know? You, you, you go here. You know, because there are a lot of false prophets in the world. And they'll tell you what you want to what you want to hear and make you feel good. Amen. But what you may want to hear, what you what makes you feel good, doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna save your soul. And that's where the challenge is. You know, I'm sure that those of the antediluvian period when Noah was preaching, if you will, as a, as a preacher of righteousness, I'm sure that they wanted Noah to say some things that were going to make them feel good. But Noah was saying, look, if you don't turn around and come back, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord is going to destroy this earth, this place, rather. And they chose not to. And they suffered the consequences of not changing. But Matthew in Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew, he says, look, every good tree cannot, uh, I'm sorry, every tree that bringeth not, verse number 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. In verse number 20, he says, wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. You see, it's not, it won't be hard for God to know. God already knows. God already knows who is and who is not. He already knows. He said the manifestation of your fruit is very clear. The manifestation of your fruit will determine whether or not you change. If you're still bringing forth things that are evil, then you haven't changed. Your schema hasn't changed. Your life hasn't changed. All you did was get wet. Amen. But your life hasn't changed. Because if you're still bringing forth that which is evil, then, then you're bringing forth that fruit that God does not desire. And he says it will be hewn down and it will be cast into the fire. By your fruits you shall know them. Verse number 21. And then he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Wait a minute. This is worship now, y'all. This is worship. These individuals believe that they're worshiping. But not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the what? The will. Wait a minute. Not will worship? Well, this is just the way we do it. That's will worship. But the will that God says you need to conduct in order to be saved is the will of the Father, which is in heaven. He says in verse number 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And, and have we, and have we uh, in thy name have cast out devils and, and, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. The challenge that we see in Noah exiting the ark. Did you not see that when he exited? 
What did Abel do when God showed him offering? Abel went and sacrificed an animal because that is what God desired. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain because Cain offered what he wanted to offer, his own reason, as opposed to doing it by faith, which is what Abel offered. Abel offered that sacrifice because that is what God told him to offer. Noah exits the ark, and the first thing he does is build an altar, and he makes the sacrifice that God has desired. Now, you mean to tell me after being in the ark all those days that Noah couldn't come up with some way that he wanted to choose to worship God? Noah accepted the covenant. Noah accepted the truth. Noah believed the truth. Noah obeyed the truth. And he continued to practice the truth. And, and so we see the beginning of what it means to have proper, acceptable worship. It is when the individual does that which God has commanded to be done. It's not about how they felt about what God has said to be done. And the wonderful thing is you should be able to find joy in that. Right? You should be able to find joy in that. There's also ignorant worship. In Acts 17, we find individuals that, that, that are told to worship God ignorantly. In other words, when you worship God ignorantly, you have And you start doing things ignorantly. Now, why is this so important? Remember what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah says, I know. Stay with me. Jeremiah said, I know. In other words, his worship. His belief in God wasn't by happenstance. It was intentional. It was purposeful. Jeremiah says, I know in whom I have believed. Like Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. I know the way of man is not in himself. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. In Acts chapter 17, these individuals were doing things ignorantly. Why? Because they didn't know. And what did Paul say to them? Him I declare unto you. Because apparently you think God dwelleth in temples made with hands. And Paul told, him, told them he dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Let me declare the God unto you whom you do ignorantly worship. And then he goes into God who made all things. You see, when you choose not to know the truth, then you do things that are ignorant. And thinking that in your ignorance, you're still going to be saved. And God says, no, that's not how this works. 
Because the word of God is made available for all to, 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 to learn and to study and to understand his will. And by understanding his will, he's made it available for you to be saved by doing that which God had commanded to be done. But there are those who chose and choose to do things without knowing because they choose to be, they choose to be ignorant. And so they made their own worship. They made their own worship. To do those worship services. Paul says, when I walked by, I beheld your devotion. The word devotion there comes from the same word that gives us worship. I beheld your devotion. And I saw this, this, this thing that you guys have built here to the unknown God, whom you therefore do ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you. People need to know the truth so that they can be set free. Free from what? All the things of the world. The, 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 the false teaching and the idolatry and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and this, this mysticism of, 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 of creating your own pathway from earth to glory, from earth to heaven. Because you can't do it that way. Why just believe in a higher power? Well, if you don't know who the higher power is, how do you know that person's taking you where you need to go? Amen. How many of you guys order, you, uh, order an Uber ride and then say, oh, just, just, I know where you go. You know where I'm going. Just, 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 just take me there. I trust you to take me there. No, you don't. No, you don't. You order your Uber ride and you know where that person's going. Amen. To the extent we used to, before the Uber came, this is dating myself a little bit, but we used to have cabs. We used to call them yellow cabs, right? And we used to jump in the yellow cab, we said, to the airport, LAX. And you were going from your house to the airport. And guess what? You had driven from your house to the airport. You knew what the quickest route was. And you knew, based on that quickest route, what you would expect to pay. But if you were somebody that was ignorant of the way you were going, Individuals are talking about, I believe in a higher power, and you don't know where they're going. Do you know where you're going? I just believe in the higher power. God says, look, if you want to make it to heaven, I don't want you to be ignorant of my will. He says, I want you to know my will. Amen. Amen. Paul said, brethren, I not have you to be ignorant. That's what Paul says. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant, but understand what the will of the Lord is. But we got individuals running around acting ignorant when it comes to worship. And now that we've come through this pandemic, I'm praying that they come back to their right minds. And then lastly, they have vain worship. Matthew 15 and 9, and I'll conclude here. In the Gospel of Matthew, we, we, we find Jesus once again speaking to the, to the disciples. And I want you to see here, which is very, I'm going to start at verse number one. There's not a, there's not a lot here, but, 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 uh, but uh, I, I want to read it 
a little bit in context, and, and we'll get to, to, to verse number nine. He, 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 Jesus says in Matthew 15 and verse one, he says, then came Jesus to Jesus, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? Oops. You're talking about what my disciples are doing because they're not washing their hands because of what the elders say. But God has given you a covenant and you guys are not following the covenant. But you're concerned about why they're not following after a man-made tradition. The covenant's right here in front of you, but you don't want to follow after the covenant of God. What has more importance, the covenant of God or your man-made tradition? That's the argument that Jesus makes. Goes on and says, Verse number four. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, uh, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whosoever thou might, by whatsoever rather, thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect. By your tradition. In other words, you're teaching things that you have concocted in your own mind and made it religious when it ain't. In other words, when you have a father and mother that has risen and taken care of you and done all they do to raise you and bring you up, whatever you can do for them, it should be a blessing to do it to them. Yeah. Oh, we got time for But they made it something different. And God says, you made the commandment of God of none effect. Verse number seven. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me, uh-oh, with their mouth. They speak a good game, but there's a problem. Here we are. They draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honoreth me with their lips. But what's the problem? Their hearts is far from me. Their schema has not changed. Talk a good game. Maybe even they walk a good game. But the problem is, it's not part of their heart. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart, being ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh of you the reason of the hope that's within you is meekness and fear. When you set God apart in your heart, when you set God in your heart and he becomes, he has, that, he has that central place in your heart, you then begin to look at the covenant of God. And by looking at the covenant of God and reasoning through the covenant of God, you begin to let that word of God change your life. It changes your mind. It changes the way that you live. And then lastly, in verse number nine, it changes the way that you worship. Because you don't worship after the things of men. You don't worship based on your own will, your self-will. You don't worship after the ignorance of man. You don't worship after a vain worship. He says, look, in verse number 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. When you start thinking about, uh, 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 when you start, start doing the things after the commandments of men, he says, this is a vain worship.
get back to the point where we start letting the covenant of God lead our lives. Because that's what Noah did. That's what Noah did. He understood that it wasn't about what he wanted, what he desired. It wasn't about being ignorant of what God said. It wasn't about his own free, his own self-will. It wasn't about it wasn't about uh, 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 his own self-desire. It wasn't about uh, the the um, uh, the ignorance and the and the vain, the vanity, if you will. It was about what God desired. What did God want? What would what would be appeasing and acceptable to the Lord? Jesus would say that they were teaching for doctrines the, the commandments of men. Titus would emphasize a point. In Titus 1 and 14, Titus would say that there were, there were, there were, there were challenges with the children of Israel, the, the, those who were even Christians, there were challenges with them in Titus 1 and 14 he says uh, I'm, I'm going to start at verse uh, number 12 one of themselves even a prophet of their own said the Christians are always liars evil be slow bellies this witness is true wherever where, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. When people turn away from the covenant, when they turn away from the truth, they have now placed themselves back into it. And that's what we do here in church. Because remember, all those individuals came from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve knew the truth. God told them the truth. God gave them the covenant. They knew it. Adam, uh, Eve rather, told the devil what the truth is, and the devil flipped it on her. But all those individuals came from that. They knew what the truth was. They knew it. And, and Noah went and engaged them to bring them back to the truth. And that's why the Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy covenant is truth. Don't ever leave the truth. Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing or handling the right or rightly setting forth the word of truth. Because that's God's covenant. And as long as we hang on to the covenant, we can be blessed to one day see heaven's glory. If we hold on to the covenant. That, 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 that. That's the, that's the schema. That's the Christian schema. That's the mind that is in us. That was also in Christ Jesus. We knew. And, and remember what Jesus says. Now, I'm ending right here. I'm done. Remember what Jesus says. Jesus says, Jesus says that he did not come to fulfill his own glory. But he came to do the will of the Father. In John 17, 1 through 5. He says, give me that which I had from the beginning. I have finished the work that you've given me to do. 
Even in John 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judges him. For the word that I have spoken, the same is going to judge you in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself. It wasn't about me. It was about getting you to see God through me. To see the Father through me. And that's who it's about. Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. The way of man is in God. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God doesn't want us anybody to perish, but he wants us to confess. You have to repent of your sins. You got to repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you, may accept your repentance for all life are perished. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, one day with God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Wishing unto perish that they all should come unto repentance. We confess Jesus Christ to be the son of God. He is the son of God. He is the blood that covers a multitude of sins. Bible says that we, Romans 10 and 9, with the, mo with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down to the watery grave of baptism. We let the blood of Christ cleanse us from all of our past sins. We arise to walk in the newness of life. We let the old man stay in the grave of the water. We let the new man arise to walk in the newness of life. And we let our worship become one that is acceptable unto God. Why don't you come? Why don't you come right now? If you stand and sing the invitational song, why don't you come? It's 948. 
this turn to page 962 in your Faith and Praise books. Once again, it's page 962 in your Faith and Praise books. At this time, we'll start. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? Oh, sometimes, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble. 